1: already have, and you could make a few small changes to get yourself on that path to wellness. In my course, I'll show you how to detox each and every room of your house and create a healthy home environment. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I'm super excited today because, you know, We're live right now and we just got done with Thanksgiving and we're going into Christmas and I know this year looks so different for so many people. However, communication is still important and I have the expert on communication with us today. He is a podcast host. He, um, the podcast is called Communicate to Motivate. I love that. He is a professor of communication studies, teaching public speaking, interpersonal communications and business communication. He is the VP of schools with the John Gordon Companies. He also runs a program that helps transform school campus cultures across the nation. And I love that heart of service and giving back. Um, Today, with Dr. Jim Van Allen with us, we are going to look at the toxicity of our words. We're going to look at the words that we speak out loud. We're going to look at the words that we speak inside because I think he would probably agree with me. Those are just as important, Dr. Van Allen. So glad to have you on the show. Thank you.
2: I am so glad to be here, and this is definitely a major topic as we're into the holiday season. Here, we're going to be around a lot of friends and family, like you said. We want to be careful of our words, and and I'm I'm excited to be sharing with you today. Absolutely,
1: I love it. Well, let's let's back this up a second, and I know we're going to dig into communication, and you know. Uh, It is a huge topic for everybody because we've got to communicate. But how in the world did you get into this this being your niche? There's got to be a story behind this.
2: High school. (laughs) i I (laughs) all go back to high school. You you kind of figure out things as you go, and you're like, what am I good at, actually? So I I went into high school, and I thought I was going to be a doctor. So people would ask me, well, why? Why do you want to be a doctor? I have no clue. Maybe I like the show ER. That was popular back then, Grey's (laughs) Anatomy. So I do these competitions that are medical competitions, but I focus more on the public speaking route yeah. and started doing well. Started winning competitions, going to going to events, seeing the keynote speaker on stage, right? And seeing them and being mesmerized and saying, huh, that might be pretty cool to be up there. But there is no there's no major, right? To be a professional speaker. <laughs> so I had to sort of create my own way. Nice. And I, I really I've just, you know, being on a big campus, I went to the University of Florida, a huge campus, loved watching people, people watching, and just always was fascinated with how people carried themselves, the way they sounded and walked and talked. So I kind of had that, that interest in it. And, you know, some friends of mine had seen a speaker, his name's John Gordon. And hmm. they're like, you know, Jim, we know you want to be a speaker. He lives really close. You should email him. So I emailed him one night out of the blue, said, I'd love to be a speaker. What do you think? And now 14 years later, I'm still working for him doing speaking and training all across the country in addition to other things. So I had to make my own way. I I found something that I really liked and enjoyed, knew I could help people with that as well. And There it was, communication, and then you just read about a million books after that, and you're good to go. So, absolutely, (laughs) I love love
1: that. Read about a million books. Oh yeah! Um, What a great story, and and I think that's important for so many of us as we listen in. That you know, what are you passionate about? You know what what drives you? Because you've got to wake up every morning and really be excited about what you do. And you sure you surely have stepped into that, right?
2: Oh, it's something that I live. I, I knew early on that uh, something with speaking had to be my life because just think about history and the impact words have had historically, right? With, with le- former leaders of different nations and even going way back in time to Roman and Greek ties, you know, when there wasn't as much of a, a, a power structure, who were the ones that had power? It was the ones mm-hmm. who could speak well, the right. power of the spoken word. Mm-hmm. And some of these. Some of these people in the Roman days, their words were so powerful that after they would die or they would kill them, they would cut off their tongues in the, in the, so they couldn't speak in the afterlife. So that just shows you when words are spoken, right? And the nonverbals that accompany it, man, there is power there and just impact that you can have. And I definitely wield it for the good, I'll say, and just trying to help companies and schools and individuals have stronger relationships with the power of the words and communication.
1: Right. Well, and you, you you talk about Roman times, and I think back to when Jesus was on the earth. And, you know, he spoke in parables and stories, and and that's how he communicated, you know, the word of God to us all. Uh, and And, you know, so it goes to show you how important and powerful stories can be.
2: And first of all, I'm so glad that we can actually say Jesus's name here, right? And talk about him and talk about the legacy and impact as I am. Jesus leads everything that I do in my life. And just like we prayed before this, I pray before all my talks as well to give me the words. And what I'll say about Jesus too is it yeah, stories drove everything he did, like you said, and then look at his disciples, look at, you know, who inspires me the most too is Paul. Look at what mm-hmm. Paul had to go through. Paul, technically, if, if you look back historically, I've looked into this, Paul was, not the most confident of a public speaker there was there was rumors and theses that he was a very nervous speaker Mm -hmm. and it just goes to show you that even somebody who has some nerves with public speaking can go on to become one of the greatest speakers of of all time besides jesus and think about all the crowds right that paul had to talk to after after Jesus' death he had to go all over and a lot of times it was just it was just him and words and stories and passion And obviously, you know, Jesus picked the right person when he picked Saul, who became Paul.
1: Right, right. I just, I love that. And um, it just goes to show, you know, God uses us all. He he blesses us all with gifts. And um, I just love that we're talking about communication today. Um, Let's look into... Because I want to, I want to go into a couple of different areas. My mind races all the time. I have to kind of calm it down. Because one of the things that in my introduction, you were talked about transforming um, schools, the culture in schools, and this is kind of a, a passion project for you. And my question for you, and and we're going to get into tips and tools for people, but I want to talk about what are you seeing when you've got to have this program that helps transform school cultures? What are you seeing over, say, the last ten years, the last twenty years? You know what what's happening to our communication as a society?
2: Big question. So communication as a society. Here's what I would. Here's what I've noticed. I would say is. We have slowly but surely, and I've seen this on campuses as well, become really entrenched in viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And I've been guilty of this as well. You know, we're in a very, uh, very political climate now. You know, with with the election, the last four years. Think about the last four years. We we you have seen people get so passionate, right, about social issues and political issues. And I have just, and that's why the voter turnout was incredible in this past election. People care more than ever. But here's the thing with that. Here's the other side is when you care a lot about one side, a lot of times you're not really looking to the other side. Yeah. And what I always say about communication relationships is you have to meet, you have to meet people in the middle. All right? if, you want to learn, if you want to learn, be a well-diversified communicator, you have to ask questions. You have to be the ones to learn about the other side and find some relevance, and that's how you work together. I'm not seeing that in our society nowadays. I'm not seeing that uh, politically. I'm not see you see a very red and blue society. You see that what's what it is. You see two sides that are not really willing to work together. You know, even with the coronavirus relief stuff, you're not seeing that right. because we're so entrenched. Right. We're so entrenched, and this happens in schools too. You have leaders who come into schools and they're entrenched at schools should be run this way. And you have the faculty who says it should be run this way. Nobody's willing to really have those difficult conversations to ask questions, to find relevance in both sides and to construct something that works for the greater good of everybody. Right. And, right. and that's, you know, so as a communicator, that's tough to see in this world, what's going on and what, it, what it's taught me though, is I have to be mindful of my own beliefs too, that right. I, that I, you know, Make sure that I am not so entrenched where I can't see past the end of my nose, right? Where I can see all different sides and and, and talk to different people and, and just see what they see from their side. Because you know what? I want them to do that with me as well. And if we can have those mutual expectations, that can be so helpful.
1: Well, and gosh, that's a great segue. And, and, you know, I, I'm in the health and wellness field. So... I see this all over the place. It's, it's, you know, you've got traditional medicine and you have holistic and, and there's people that are, it's all traditional or it's all holistic. There's no in between. And I happen to be a person that feels like both are necessary, both are necessary. And, you know, and it's, you know, how can we come and and meet? So let's segue that into, you're, you're talking about meeting in the middle, how do people meet in the middle when, because, you know, when you're in such a volatile and such a, you speak of passion, you know, we're so passionate about what our beliefs are. How do you go beyond that to see and listen and hear that other person?
2: Well, first of all, you have to be willing to do it. right? And I don't know how much of that you see nowadays. I mean, sometimes I've had to look at my own, friend group or extended friends or family and say how many people in my life uh, are are on the opposite of me or think differently of me and there's not that many because we surround ourselves with people <laughs> who it's an echo chamber right parlor the new echo chamber right we we surround ourselves with that because that's comfortable right and that's safe but then you ever look outside that wall and you're like wait a minute this this world looks very different this is very so We have this sense of it's foreign to have a different belief than us, and if something's foreign to us as a human being, naturally we stay away from it because the survival instinct kicks in inside of us. If something's foreign to us, the survival instinct tells us to kind of stay away or tread lightly. So I think having being willing, if you have a friend or a family member or just, just in general, if you're getting involved in the PTA at your school. And somebody else has a different way of saying things or believing in something, instead of just kind of crossing your arms and saying, I can't believe that. Oh, I'm not going to associate with them because they believe in that or they think this. First of all, nothing's life or death here. You know, 90%, 95% of stuff is not life or death that we're arguing about. But maybe saying, Why do you feel that way? Or Mm -hmm. how does that make you feel? Or or just tell me a little bit about what you about what you think. Mm -hmm. Asking these open-ended questions, but being willing to do that. And being willing to shut your brain off as you're listening in a way where you're not not listening, but you're not coming up with something else to say next.
1: You don't have to formulate that rebuttal. (laughs) Right.
2: You're just listening because you legit want to hear what they say. But think about that, Amy. How rare? I mean, how often have we done that? I mean, it's it's rare because we're so entrenched, we're so passionate that sometimes we can't we don't we don't believe that there's any other way but ours, and that is a complete communication breakdown and you know what i'm guilty of it too sometimes Mm -hmm. and i i have to work at it like everybody else but it takes a lot of work it really does
1: it really does so we see the the opposite ends of the spectrums and we see the kind of not meeting in the middle what about technology what has that done to our communication process
2: you want to get me started on that one, huh? So
1: <laughs> well, I guess you started on a lot. Yeah,
2: the, the technology part is that you here's the thing with social media too, is so let's start on that 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 side that has given people a platform to to broadcast every thought, every feeling about every little thing. Mm-hmm. And I will say that, that I don't I don't feel like that's the best use of... of of social media, because would you be saying those things if, if somebody was right there in front of you? No, but you have a screen in front of you. So you're more willing to, you feel like there's a little bit more anonymity to it, even though your name is attached to it, but since there's a screen there, you feel like you can hit send and post and tweet stuff. I mean, I was on Twitter for a while and I kind of, you know, backed off a little bit, but you would just see things being posted that I'm like, I can't believe somebody would write that. And if you're looking at the comments the comments on some of these social media posts are just absurd. What the level of visceral hatred that you I, see. Yeah. And can you imagine being in a group of people, imagine if you're getting all those people in a room together, would Maybe. you see that same level of negative discourse? Right.
1: So Absolutely do, you not. Feel, do you feel like then, because my opinion, not that it matters, you know, with social media is it's so dehumanized it's It's really dehumanized us, like you said, if we were in a party, we were in a in a social group, you wouldn't say ninety five percent of the stuff that gets said
2: no you're you're right and and that's I think that's part of the issue and that's why I've posted a few times saying uh think twice before you hit send today, you know when the president contracted coronavirus i that was one of the first things i put out there i I put out there i just said f y i Think twice before you hit send today because, you know, it just. let's just take a pause. And we need to have more of that filter before we post yeah. uh, because once you put it out there, it, there's, you may think you've deleted it. It's there and it's always going to stay there. And that's the thing about communication, right, is that once you say something, it's always out there. There is no unsend button in life. And the delete button on social media is a myth because we take screenshots of everything.
1: (laughs) We do. Hey there. I wanted to take a minute to talk about the everyday products you are using in your home. Many of us are label hunting. They're examining every product in the house to make sure it's toxic free. And I totally understand that, hey, we're not all scientists. And maybe we just want that easy button to help pick the right products. That's why I aligned with Young Living, a whole health and wellness company that has all the clean products you know. From essential oils to personal care products, makeup, supplements, items for kids and babies and the list goes on. Almost any everyday item you could think of using. And the best part is, Young Living's products are seed to seal. They're backed by high quality standards. They're the leader in the industry and one of the only essential oil companies that have their own farms. I've been there. They're incredible. These are great natural products that you can use right at home. If you want to shop worry-free for home products, click my link in the show notes and see the quality products from Young Living. So, you know, that's social media. But what about our even like our cell phones? Um
2: I think with the cell phones, so what you're seeing on cell phones is, is the cell phone companies are so desperate to mimic the face-to-face. It's why you see now you have access to uh, gifts and emojis and those types of things you can send as a reply to try to... And all they're, all that's doing is try to mimic human emotion. And even with with texting, and I, I'm the worst texter. Like I, I'll respond back a day later, or uh, I just don't like the text. I, I just... You know what I'm saying? It's a little intrusive, not a huge fan. So I think it's almost changed the language, right? With some of our, our younger people, as far as being able to flush out a thought, right. Yes. And, and, and think through something. And it, I mean, the, the, the dyad that you have of a back and forth, right. In a conversation is sort of an art form. You figure that out as you go and, and you learn that skill in school and i've i've been in a lot of schools and and i've walked through the halls going to my my classroom my event and i just see you know i don't want this to be a you know uh, looking down at everybody with a phone but you see all the students who have did they have phones out all of them in a group around each other so there'll be seven of them in a group they all have their phone out yeah. now they're communicating they're talking but they're they're not you know they're, they're not experiencing each other's nonverbals, it's they're talking about what's on the phone or looking up. It's a lot of it's a it's so it's infiltrated a lot of our lives. And mm-hmm. I don't know how many of us are willing to take pauses or put the phones away. Or sometimes I literally take my phone if I'm working and I'll throw it behind me so I can't touch it because it's so easy just to go to it for a quick distraction. I'm like, oh, I yeah. gotta just. You know, you ever have like a bag of chips and you're like, I've eaten too many. You crumple them up and you throw them. (laughs) And then my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I had to get it away. Right. And uh, it's difficult. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And I, um, number one, like what gets me with the cell phones is my husband and I do enjoy going out to dinner. Um, you know, and so we we'll go out several times a week for dinner. And it's it's amazing to me how many people we see in, re, in different restaurants that there's couples. They're not talking to each other. They're on, you know, this thing here. And so our rule is we do, we don't take it in with us. Um, you know, we just don't even have it on us. And in fact, on my cell phone, I have zero notifications turned on. None, um, you know, and, and I I make it that way.
2: But you've worked at that. See, you've you've thought about it. You've put a plan in place. You're consistent with it. You're sticking to it. A lot of people feel like the phone is sort of their right arm, right? They couldn't live without it. So they, it's just something that is just so right there. And I'm the same way with you. And you know, I have two kids, and when we go out, we want to model. Hey, this is how you sit at a table at a restaurant and function. All right, we don't give them tablets. We don't. <laughs> Give them phones. Okay, mm-hmm. we may have a coloring book every once in a while, but you know what? We're coloring with them at the table and we're right. talking as we're doing right. it. So we're trying to model to them, when you go out, when you're with people, you you put the technology uh, away. Now, unless I have a fantasy football game going. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you know, we try to, you know, it's it's severely limited. If not, it's it's in the car, it's in our pockets. We don't want our kids seeing us with their phones up because you know what? They're going to learn that, right? That that's how you yeah. function normally. And when they get a little older, we want them to be able to socialize without having to have a phone or technology present.
1: Right. I love that you use the word we want to model. We want to model for them and and show them, okay, so we've talked about kind of some of the areas of um, communication that we're seeing degrading or just you know having those shifts in communication happening. Let's turn us now to really focus in on what can we do? What can we do to improve the dialogue that we're speaking in our relationships?
2: As far as your relationships go, um, what I would say about that is think of, think of a relationship and think about the dialogue in a relationship as, a, as an onion, okay? And you peel back the layers of an onion at a time. You ever, anybody who cooks knows what I'm talking about. You can't just chop up the onion, right? You got to peel it back a little bit at a time to get to the core, to the heart of 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 of, of the onion, right? The good stuff and in a, in a relationship it doesn't matter if you've been together for a month 10 years you know been married 11 years next month i mean it doesn't matter how long it's been you have to find a way to have self disclosure so i offer some information you offer almost the same amount back i offer some you offer almost the same amount and same depth back and that's how you get to the core of what's going on inside of a person that's how you have good communication it's reciprocation Okay, you know I ask about you know your day. You ask about mine, but it goes deeper than that. It goes into how you feel about certain things and and the whys, the open ended questions, and then you open yourself up to a whole th- range of things you can talk about. If you ask open ended questions, then the person's going to offer so much information, and then from there you can branch out into what they talked about here, what they talked about over here, and then you're then you can kind of do the same thing. So, the level of self disclosure and reciprocation has to be present with couples in order for you to have good, meaningful communication.
1: Okay. And let's, let's get a little bit of clarification in here on um, you use the word open-ended and, and you've used it several times in terms of asking questions. And I just want our audience to know an open-ended question means the answer you get when you ask this question cannot simply be a yes or no, or a one word answer. It entails dialogue occurring. Would that be a good description? Exactly. Of
2: it? Exactly. Asking something like, well, why do you think that is or you know what do you feel should happen next or how do you feel about that and you just ask it open ended and you and you're legitimate in that instead of instead of a yes no one word type response that is just right. f- trivial and a, a, something to fill the space you don't want to have communication that just fills the space for no reason you want it to right. be meaningful to get right. to go deeper
1: Right. Like with um, our grandkids, instead of asking, how was your day at school today? Or what did you learn? You know, what did you learn at school? We wait. I'm getting into what we ask. You know, there's you know, did you have a good day at school today? All right. That would be a yes. No. Yes. No. Yeah. uh, You know, that type of answer. But if we ask, how was your day at school today or what did you learn at school today? What was what was the best part of school for you today?
2: Absolutely. Right? We, we do roses and thorns with my, with my family. Uh-huh. What's a rose you had today, right? The best party day. What's a thorn? A difficult, yeah. challenging part of your day. And then my son always adds in, what was your silly part today, right? <laughs> and f- from there, you know, we're, we're talking about things. Oh, th- that was great. What, what kind of games did you play? Who yeah. did you play with? Yep. How did that make you feel when you won that race? And yep. that's how we communicate with them. And that's what we're trying to model, like I said, and show the example of how you communicate. I, I
1: love the open ended questions. What about, and, and um, okay, so asking the open ended questions, really getting the dialogue started and, and listening, right? You know, it's one thing to be the talker, and I'm good at that. It's the other thing that, that you know, do you have tips on the other side of the equation when you have to listen?
2: So, with the listening part, is this? This is so there's actually science behind to show you that if you actually are listening intently, it can wake you up in the morning. It can wait? You can like, you're you're accessing your brain. So, when you're turning that part of your brain on or accessing that, what I would tell you to do is is have sort of a, a, a running dialogue in your head of what they're saying, and if you have to. Every once in a while, you kind of you can find the pauses in the conversation where you paraphrase. You could say, "So you mentioned that you went there yesterday, and this happened. Why do you think that was?" So, or you're sort of paraphrasing as you go, or you can just stop and be like, "I just want to make sure I understand this," kind of like you just did, right? I want to make sure I understand this. So you're telling me that when you went to work today, your boss said, "You know," so you're, and that shows them that you have heard. You've not just listened to them; you've heard them. You've taken in the information. Now you're trying to do something. With it, so paraphrasing as you go is very helpful, and asking questions as you go too, and then even bringing up something later on that they that they mentioned, mm-hmm. and say, "Oh, I remember that you said this." So you you have to you have to really, you have to work with the brain, right, to mm-hmm. show the brain that the information you took in is re- is is relevant and meaningful. You can't just hear something from your spouse or significant other, whoever it is, and then expect it to be filed away in the brain it doesn't work it doesn't right. work like that
0: right. you have
2: to you have to access the information you have to show your brain that you know you have to be thinking about it and and replaying it and then it'll store it away and then you can retrieve it later when you're trying to talk to somebody that takes work though yeah. <laughs> you know it takes putting down the phone stopping doing the dishes and if you're going to have this conversation with your spouse sometimes i try to tell my wife let's let's talk about life work stuff after the kids go to bed because right. if they're up, you know, if it's 536, we're making dinner, there's dishes, there's bath, I, I can't concentrate. I'm a compartmentalizer. I got to right. deal with one thing. And then boom, they're in bed. Now I can turn my focus. So right. learning how your relational partner communicates best right, uh, will help you tenfold in, in having a meaningful relationship with them.
1: Right. Well, that was a great example of saying, you know what? I can't hear you when, you know, we've got dishes going on and we've got kids running around. And so you have let your spouse know you're important to me and, and it's important that I hear you. And this is what's going on with me. And that leads to, I think so many times, especially when you're dealing with a spousal relationship, we get all those hurt feelings, right?
2: Right. Because what do you hear them say? You you don't listen to me. You never listen. You aren't hearing me. You don't yeah. understand me. Yeah. And. A lot of times, I'll be honest with you, a lot of times and when people say something like that, where there's smoke, there's fire. There really is. Because if they truly felt understood, then they wouldn't have to say that. So there's some, and it may be on both sides, but usually there's something there that both people have to take a step back and say, all right, what was my role in mm-hmm. why this is happening and why somebody is feeling this way? Because feelings don't just strike up out of nowhere, right? Right. Emotions are derived from something and something's causing that. And it's worth a look.
1: Right. Oh my gosh. You say feelings. And I love that because my husband and I have been married for 16 years. I know not like an eternity. However, it's a long
2: time. (laughs) It's a
1: long time. You know what? One of the things that really helped us to have great conversations was understanding feelings are simply feelings. There's no right feelings, there's no wrong feelings. Just because one of us has a feeling and maybe the other one doesn't, it 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 doesn't there's no right or wrong. And really understanding that really kind of took a lot of heat out of a lot of our conversations. Does that make sense?
2: 100%. What I mean think about think about yourself as a human being as as a as a wife, as a person. You want to be heard. And mm-hmm. understood and 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 validated. Right. So, you know, when I when I when I do communication training with people, and, and I'll say, listen, it doesn't matter if you feel what the other person is feeling is is odd or weird or whatever the whatever the case is. That's how they're feeling. Right. Your job is not to judge. Right. Your job is not to offer, a, not even to offer a solution. Like, at first, <laughs> your job is to listen. To attempt to listen for understanding and to say, you know what, what you're going through, that matters. I, I want you to know that I, I, he- I, I hear what you're saying, and that matters. That would be difficult to go through and feel that way. I understand that. So it's, but when you say that, mean it, all right? Yeah. Turn on the empathy part of your brain. Mean it. So we've talked a lot in this conversation about how much you need to turn on your brain and access your brain and, mm-hmm. and it, communication really uh, involves a lot of work mentally. And I think that's mm-hmm. why a lot of people don't do it well because they either don't know how to, or they're not willing to to put in the work.
1: Right. Right. And they're, um, oh, Somebody said, I needed this today. Thank you. You know, we're. You're always, welcome. <laughs> it always comes in and, you know, communication is not just even the words that are spoken. It's the, you know, you talked about the body language before, and there's so much body language that goes along with it. The one thing that's gotten me into trouble with body language is I'm reading more into the body language than what needs to be. Does that make sense?
2: Sure. Uh, you, you know, you may be more apt to it where you're, you're looking at certain things, but what I always say about body language is context matters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if anybody's listening to this, you're not going to see me, but I have my arms crossed right now, right? If I just have my arms crossed, you may assume that I am closed off and I'm stubborn and whatever the case is, but is the temperature in the room 65 degrees? Am I tired? Or perhaps that's just, most people, this is just how they relax, right? They just have their arms crossed. So context matters. You have to kind of take into account the environment, along with the facial expressions, right. along with what's said a little bit. But nonverbals do not lie a lot of times because the body doesn't know how to lie. But we can definitely misinterpret it or or read too much into it as as you and I do, do, I do as well. You ever look at your significant other and you're like, What's wrong? Is something wrong? And they're just like, "No, nothing's wrong. This is just how I look." Right? This is there's nothing going on. And, you know, some of us who are really in tune with people, we we probably tend to overdo it a little bit. Sure. But you know what? I'd rather have you I'd rather have somebody, you know, read too much into it than read not into it at all. So right. so if you have to pick one, you know, you want to be more balanced, but if you have to pick one, I'd rather you overread into things.
1: Exactly. Um, I I do want to take just a couple of moments, if I can, you know, there's so much stuff that happens with our communication. In fact, we're not even getting into internal dialogue yet. And we might have to have a part two um, if you're open to having a part two with us, because I like to keep these right around 30 minutes. But I want to talk about how um, I want to tie this into how. When we're not effectively communicating, when we're not—and and for me personally, I believe it's the listening part. It's—it's it's choosing our words and saying them correctly, but it's also listening that really becomes so toxic for not just ourselves but for our relationships. You know, whether that's stress, um, it causes conflicts, and and so many times when we have conflicts in our relationship, it really boils down to communication.
2: It does. And, and when it comes to, to conflict, you know, a lot of couples are just, they just want to sweep it under the rug and they they don't want to engage in the conflict. And I had a podcast episode recently called conflict is good. Right. And how we should not be shying away from it. We just have to learn to do it better. Okay. And part of being in a conflict or disagreement is the listening part. Everything we just got done saying where, you know, th- those of us who internalize a lot to kind of dip my toe in that water, we, you know, like you're saying, you have the rebuttal in your head ready to go. Right. And when you do that, you're not listening. You're not taking what they're saying. All you're doing is you're getting ready to fire your shot. They're fighting their shot. And then you're in a war. Why this? And, and that doesn't have to be like that. Conflict doesn't have to be this negative stigma where it's a war or it's a battle. Why can't it just be two passionate people talking about how they feel their view on things on how you act in society raise kids whatever it is finances mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you hear both sides out you ask questions to both sides but you you make the choice to not walk away from that conversation and say we're going to deal with this later or you shut them out and you build the wall and you just don't talk about it right. if you do that it all comes out eventually nonverbally or you'll have little geysers pop up every once in a while of stuff, and then there could be a big explosion mm-hmm. and 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 of, of nonverbals and words, and, and you're just not accomplishing anything. You're setting your relationship back so, so much when you do that.
1: Right. So uh, it would... With the next, would we end real well with giving some tips on listening? I mean, we, we talk about the, the the idea of listening. And, and I know I've heard you, know, you saying we've got to not be formulating our answer, you know, what we want to rebuttal with. But are there other tips that you have for us to really strengthen our listening skills?
2: Turn off distractions as well. So okay. what I would say definitely turn off distractions and environment Environment and situation matter. So a lot of times, you know, and this is what I'm talking about, where body positioning matters. So if you're going to have a, you know, a really, you really want to have a conversation, you really want to dive into something, face each other, right? Face each other, sit on the couch, but face each other. If you're going out to dinner, face each other. But even then, remember, if you're going out to dinner. Is it the server coming over? You've got stimuli, you got all sorts of things buzzing around you. And even in the car can be good, but at the car, you know, keep in mind you're driving, right? So that, that's another distraction. So if you can limit the stimuli around you, sometimes all you need is, you know, a bottle of wine and, and a table, right? You just need to be able to sit down, you know, and, and if you have kids put the kids away. So environment and timing matter too. So, if it's eleven o'clock at night and somebody's really tired, maybe that's not the time to be discussing whether you're gonna refinance your house right <laughs> or you want to have a third kid or you know you have to read the tea leaves, read the body language of of the person that you're with even with friends and say, okay maybe i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna do this one tomorrow I'm gonna you know i'm gonna I'm gonna schedule time and say, you know what we need to take a walk. My wife and I do our best communication on walks. we love to walk. We have even hired a babysitter for one hour after the kids go to bed so her and I could go. We have a one-mile loop in our neighborhood, so we can go walk the loop a couple times in one hour just so we can talk because we've always done best when we're when we're talking and moving and we've had some of the best conversations in the world. But environment definitely matters uh, in addition to all the other things we talked about today for sure.
1: I love that. I love that. Dr. Van Allen, I'm so happy that you have blessed us with your expertise and your gift of sharing here today. I'm going to leave the end. First of all, we've been scrolling uh, jimvanallen.com. You want to make sure if you want to connect with him, this is where you need to go. I believe you can probably get through the pot to his podcast, communicate to motivate uh, through the website here. So make sure that you, if you want to learn more about listening, it's the Impact of communication in all areas of our life. It's done through stories and all kinds of things on on the podcast. So make sure that you're tuning into that. And I want to leave the floor for you at the end here. And you know, final thoughts and what you'd like to leave the viewers with.
2: Uh, I just want to thank everybody for for being here and listening to this. And you know, if you're if you're part of this podcast and you and you clicked on this one specifically, that shows me that. You are working at it and you have a desire inside of you to be working on yourself. And you know, I know this podcast is about, you know, and, and this show is about getting rid of a lot of the toxins in your life physically, but the mental part too, and we don't want to forget about that mental part because it is so vitally important that we get our minds right and are we focus on positive mental health. And when you when you work on yourself, you're gonna be stronger in your relationships and you're gonna be stronger, you know. to be able to have relationships in society as well so i always dive deeper in communicate to motivate we dive a little bit deeper in the communication topics and i'm happy to jump on this again and and dive dive into it again because this has been a lot of fun for me too
0: that's all for this episode of the toxin terminator and we hope we've helped you remove the hidden toxins in your life for renewed health